Hello, I'm Derek Corker. I'm the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. And today I want to share with you something that is very much on God's heart, the Great Commission. I want to encourage you to get involved in God's master plan of winning the lost and establishing new believers in the faith. Doing this is a guaranteed way to see God at work in your life and, and also for God to do amazing things through you. And it will result in eternal fruit and rewards for you, praise God. And to help you get an idea of what God can do through you, I want to share with you how Billy Graham's ministry began. It all started with a visit, a Sunday school teacher named Mr. Kimball. In 1858, led a Boston shoe clerk to give his life to Jesus. And that clerk, Dwight L. Moody, became an evangelist. And in England, in 1879, he wakened the evangelistic zeal of a, the pastor of a small church, F.B. Mayer. F.B. Mayer then later preached to an American college campus and brought to Christ a student called Wilbur Chapman. And the Chapman engaged in YMCA work and employed a baseball player, Billy Sunday, to do evangelistic work. And Billy Sunday did a revival in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a group of uh, local men were so, so enthusiastic, they called back another evangelist, Mordecai Ham, to hold another revival. And then, during this revival, the young man called Billy Graham heard the gospel and gave his life to Christ. But only eternity will reveal the tremendous impact of that one Sunday school teacher who invested his life in the lives of others. Billy Graham, of course, went on to lead hundreds of thousands to Christ, and through those co converts, millions more. All because Mr. Kimball was faithful in the first place, just to visit an ordinary man and to lead him to Christ. You see, everything we do has a ripple effect into the future. Every act of love, every time you sow a seed, witnessing to Christ or encouraging someone or, or teaching them God's word, uh, especially to a new believer, there's an eternal harvest from that. When you sow God's word into someone's life, they then sow it into others' lives, and so on, and the word is multiplied in that way. When you lead someone to Christ, or, or just have a part in it, because actually, when someone comes to Christ, it's usually a number of people who have witnessed, and God puts that all together. But when you do that, you will have a part then in everything they then do for the Lord. So, for example, if, if they bring five people to the Lord, and each of those five bring another five, and so on and so on, simply by witnessing to that person, you will have set into motion a chain of events that will have led many, many people to the Lord. And so, you don't have to be a great preacher. You just have to be a faithful witness to make a big impact. Will you invest in the lives of others? God revealed his priorities in 1 Timothy 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior. Number one, who desires all men to be saved. That's his first priority. Secondly, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. The truth is the word of God. So God's first priority is that all men be saved. And since they're saved through the preaching of the gospel... His first priority for us is that we witness and share the gospel of Christ. And then his second priority is once they're saved, that they come to the knowledge of the truth. 
That is of God's word. Well, Jesus said, didn't he, in John 8, 31, he said, If you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, the truth of the word, and the truth shall set you free. And if the Son of God sets you free, you shall be free indeed. So his second priority for us is that we disciple new believers and lead them into the knowledge of the truth of God's word. And, and these two priorities are confirmed perfectly by the Great Commission from the lips of Jesus himself. His final words, his most important words, you might say, the final words of the resurrected Lord Jesus before he ascended into heaven. You know, it's the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. Uh, and therefore, it shouldn't be the Great Omission. Well, the Great Commission is recorded in all four Gospels, and I want to show you that to show you how important it is. Uh, first of all, let's turn to the Gospel of John, and it's recorded for us in John chapter 20, verse 20 to 22. And we'll see in all the Gospels, all four Gospels, although it's in different words, the essence is the same. Jesus is authorizing us, he's sending us, he's commissioning us to preach the gospel. And secondly, he's also giving us the power of the Holy Spirit to do it, so that it, we will be effective. Well, John 20, 20, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said to them, peace be unto you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So first of all, Jesus said, Peace to you. In other words, first of all, we have to receive the peace that God gives us through Jesus, through his death. And then, of course, only then, can we share that peace, the gospel of peace, to others. Then he said, As the Father has sent me, so I send you. You see, Jesus is our pioneer. He is our example. Just as he was sent by his Father, so now he is sending us. You see, Jesus was sent by his Father. That means he was appointed. He was commissioned. He was authorized by the word of his Father. And now, we too now are commissioned and authorized by the word of the Son, Jesus Christ. That's the Great Commission. And we've been sent to fulfill his mission upon the earth. Jesus, therefore, he says, as the Father sent me, so I send you. He's sending us to continue the same mission that the Father sent him to do. What was he sent to do? Well, Luke 19.10. Luke 19.10 tells us very clearly. He says, the Son of Man is come to seek and to save the lost. That was his mission. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into the world. Why? To save sinners. Therefore, Jesus is sending us to seek and to save lost sinners. That means we're not to wait for them to come to us and ask, what must I do to be saved? You might have to wait a long time. But instead, we are to seek and to save the lost. We're to be proactive, you see. We're to take the initiative and seek them out to save them. Going, reaching out, finding ways to reach out. There's many way, different ways to do it. Giving them um, a book, a tract, sharing them a CD, speaking to them, 
Many different ways the Lord will show us. And then he says, thirdly, as the Father sent me, so I send you. Well, of course, the Father sent Jesus with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And now Jesus is sending us with that same power, with the same power of the Spirit that he was anointed with by God. That's why he said, after he said, so I send you, he then breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He says that to you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive my power to be a witness. Jesus was anointed. He was empowered to fulfill his mission, to preach the gospel to the poor, to those who needed salvation, to heal the sick, to proclaim release to the captives. That's what it says, isn't it? In Luke uh, 4, verse 18, it says, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. That's the power. To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, that's the, his authorization. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, that's the great commission in John. We have been sent with the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the same mission of Jesus, to seek and to save the lost. But... Let's turn to Luke now, because it's there too. In Luke chapter 24, verse 46 to 49. Let's read that. Thus it is written, Jesus said, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Notice he said, first of all, Jesus said it's necessary for him to suffer and die for our sins, to purchase our salvation, and then to rise from the dead on the third day. And in that he was fulfilling prophecy. Then he said it was also prophesied, and it's also necessary that repentance and forgiveness of sins be preached in his name, by his authority, you see, to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Notice it's necessary that the gospel be preached in order for people to believe in Christ and to receive his salvation. You see, Jesus offers us salvation through his death on the cross, but they have to hear the gospel to have the faith to receive that. We are to preach repentance, he says. That is, to turn around, to change your thinking and trust in Christ alone for your salvation rather than trusting in your good works, in yourself. And we are also to preach forgiveness, that God offers freely his forgiveness through Jesus. Well, if we put, them, put that all together, it tells us the gospel message. We are to tell them that Christ has paid in full for their sins through his death and that he's risen from the dead on the third day, and, he, and that, that shows that God has accepted his sacrifice, and he did this to fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies. And on the basis of that finished work of Christ, he now freely offers the, them all forgiveness of their sins and eternal life. And all they have to do is turn around, repent, and turn around from going their own way of trusting themselves 
and instead come to Christ and put all their trust in him and receive his gift of forgiveness. Then he said, he made it clear, he was sending them, sending us to preach this message because he said, and you are witnesses of these things. In other words, you are my witnesses. I am authorizing you to witness and to declare these truths. He was sending them to preach the gospel and call men to repentance so that they would receive the forgiveness of their sins. And then he also promised to give them the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. He said, I send the promise of my Father upon you. I'm going to clothe you with power from on high. Praise God. And then in Acts chapter 1, it's simply the continuation of Luke, actually. He says in verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses. There's the commission. You shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. The Great Commission is to witness to all people. Praise God. He anoints us to do that. He gives us the power, and he gives us the authority to do it. He's authorized us to do it to all the people of the earth. Hallelujah. And so we see in all the Gospels, he sends us, he authorizes us to speak the words of the Gospel that will save that will bring salvation. And he also anoints us with the power of his Holy Spirit to do that. And we have to believe, if we've received the Holy Spirit, we have to believe that as we begin speaking those words, that power of the Spirit that is upon us will be activated. Don't wait till you feel the power. But when you start speaking, trust the power of the Holy Spirit to start flowing through you. And the feeling will, will happen. After you've witnessed, you'll, you'll feel exhilarated. You'll feel much better because there's been a release of that power through you. But it's by faith. You don't wait to feel it. Obey, and then you'll feel it. Well, let's turn now to the third gospel, the gospel of Mark. We see the Great Commission in Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Notice again, it's to everyone. The first two letters of God are go. That's his command. Don't go to them, he says. Don't wait for them to come to you. You go to them. We are to take the initiative and reach out. To whom are we to go? Here, we've been authorized to go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's our standing orders from the Lord. You know, we don't need any additional authorization or permission or spiritual confirmation to the Lord from the Lord to say, You're, okay, go ahead and witness to that person. You know, it's not for us to judge if they're ready or if they're open to receive a witness. Our responsibility is to go and preach and basically leave the results to God. He promises to work with us and he will work with our words as we share the gospel. We're not to assume that we shouldn't witness to someone unless the Lord tells us to. Rather, we must assume that it is his will to witness to them unless he tells us otherwise because we have standing orders to go to all. We are to go and preach. That doesn't mean we're to go and shout at them, but what preach means is proclaim with, with faith, proclaim to them the truth of God's word. The heart of our responsibility 
is the proclamation of Christ. Who he is, what he's done. And then we trust the Holy Spirit to convict them. We don't trust in our own ability to persuade, to charm them, to convince them, to reason. Because in the end, salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2.9. In the end, it's up to him to do it. If they get saved, it'll ultimately be the sup- through the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit revealing the truth to them. Not by how clever we are or how strong a personality we have, how persuasive we are. But the Spirit of God needs us to share the words of the gospel, otherwise he's got nothing to work with. God's Spirit works through his word. No, we're not called to win every argument, answer every objection, answer every question. So don't worry about that. We are simply called, and we are accountable to preach the gospel, present it with conviction and with love. Trusting the Holy Spirit to confirm the truth of what we're saying. Well, we're like a herald, you see, who comes before a king and receives the message that he is meant to go out and proclaim to the whole land. We've been sent and authorized by the king to declare his message as best we can, not to hold it back, whether they like it or not, whether they believe it or not. If they don't understand it, we're to help them understand. If they believe it, but they're slow to respond, then we're to encourage them to receive Christ. But if they have issues and objections, if they reject it out of hand, that's not our problem. They will have to answer to the king. But once we've shared it, we've discharged our responsibility. Now, one way to share the gospel is with what I call the record book. This is what I use to share the gospel. Uh, I do it like this. I said, this hand represents me. God loves me. And God wants to give, give me eternal life. But there's a problem. This is the problem. This is a record book of my whole life. Everything I've done, everything I've thought, everything I've said is recorded here. God sees it all. The problem is there are many sins here. Thought, word, and deed. And that's a barrier between me and God. And though God loves me and he wants to have mercy on me, yet God is just and he must punish my sin. That would mean me going to hell. He wants me to go to heaven. But the same God who says he is love and that he is merciful, doesn't want to punish us, is the same God who is just and he must punish sin. And so God solved this problem in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the Son of God. This is Jesus. He came down from heaven and became a man. It says he lived a perfect life among us. But on the cross is what is really important. The Bible says that all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. And on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sins and he purchased a place in heaven for us. And our sins were buried with him when he was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the dead and he's alive forevermore. And he offers you the gift of eternal life. Would you like to receive the gift of eternal life? 
And that's what I call the, re the record book illustration. And that's one way to share the gospel that to, uh, and keeps people's attention because it's a visual aid. Well, Mark 6, 15, 16, 15 says, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And then he describes the results. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. This reveals how serious our mission is. Their eternal destiny is at stake. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Notice there's only two possible responses. They either believe or they don't believe. Notice Jesus assumes and expects that those who believe and receive Jesus as their Lord will, will obey him and be baptized in water as an outward sign and confirmation of their faith. You see, faith without outward evidence, of without corresponding actions, is dead. It's not genuine. And the first command of Jesus to those who believe the gospel is to be baptized in water. And obviously Jesus is talking about believer's baptism, not infant baptism. And the very meaning of the word baptism means immersion, not just a sprinkling. And so after sharing the gospel, the Great Commission commands us to teach new believers that they must declare their faith by being baptized by full immersion in water. Jesus, then Mark, in Mark, Jesus promises a supernatural anointing again of the Holy Spirit to confirm our message. Verse 17, these signs will follow those who believe. As they go believe and preach the gospel, my, in my name they'll cast out demons. If they, they'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so then after the Lord spoke to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them and with the word that they spoke and confirming the word through signs following. As soon as they started to obey, the Holy Spirit went into action with them. Finally, let's look at the Great Commission in Matthew. It says in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore in my authority and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Praise God. Again, you see, Jesus has authorized us this is strongly emphasized here. All authority is given to me. And now he says, I'm using that authority. I'm delegating to you that authority to fulfill that mission. This is the Great Commission. Go make disciples, he says. And then he promised to empower us. He says, I'll go with you as you go. I'll work through you as you speak. That's when he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, as you fulfill the Great Commission, I will be with you, working through you. This is the promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's just like the language of Acts 10, 38. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. How he went about doing good, healing all who oppressed of the devil, for God was with him, you see. So God is saying, I will be with you as you go, just as God was with Jesus, anointing him as he went. Praise God. How do we make disciples, he says, make disciples? Number one, preach the gospel so that they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, resulting in their baptism. Then we're to disciple them. How? By teaching them the teachings of Jesus 
starting with being baptized. Jesus told us to be baptized. So that's, we teach them to be baptized, which is the first step of obedience to Jesus, of, of a life of discipleship. And then we to teach them everything the Lord told us to do. Praise God. So we must teach them to be baptized, to start witnessing and testify, and their baptism is a major way to do that. You see, when they baptized in water, this gives them an opportunity to make a powerful testimony of their faith in Jesus Christ by the very act of immersion in water. They are declaring their death and burial and resurrection with Christ. So that should not be denied them on the basis that they were christened as a baby. You have been called, appointed, anointed to go and share the gospel to all people and to teach them in the ways of Jesus. Go as he commands you. As you go, he will go with you and he will confirm the words that you speak. Let's pray right now. Let's ask him for the power and the boldness to do that. Lord Jesus, we pray, we thank you that you've given us the authority and the power to go and to preach the gospel, oh God, and to teach new believers. We ask you right now to give us boldness, give us courage to go forth, to go and seek and to save the lost. Lord, show us the lost and give us the way to reach out to them and give us the words to speak to them. Give us the courage to be obedient. Oh God, and we will share the gospel and Lord, we will teach new believers. I thank you for giving us that power and that anointing and that boldness. In Jesus' name, amen.